Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are a God that, that every good and perfect thing comes from. Lord, your word says, it says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. <laughs> Never pay back evil with more evil and do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scripture says, I will take revenge and I will pay them back. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, you will heap coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. Lord Jesus, this morning, you know, we know that you weep with those who weep. God, you laugh with those who laugh. Lord, you've called us to be people that become all things so that some can be saved. But God, that is just a reflection of who you are. That you are a God that meets us wherever we are at this morning. Lord, you meet us wherever we have been this week. God, you meet us with whatever you want to change within us. Lord, this morning we have needs represented, we have grief represented. Lord, we have failures represented. God, we have relationships represented in our building. God, that need to look and act and be more like you. God, in your strength and your power and in your timing, Lord, we, we ask and we commit those pieces of our lives to you. Knowing that you are a good, good father, that you are the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. God, that you are our comforter, that you are our healer. Lord, that you are the one that sees us for who we really are. God, you are the one that calls us children of you. Jesus, I pray that this morning would be a, a time when we could hear your still, small voice. God, that we could feel your hand on our shoulders. Lord, that we could feel the empowerment that your Holy Spirit gives. God, and that you would walk with us step by step. Jesus, we love you so much, and it's in his name we pray all these things. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, good morning. How are you? Oh, sweet. That's fantastic. Um, well, I am blessed to continue this wisdom series, which I feel like I have to pronounce the B in it somehow. Uh, which is really difficult, wisdom. So if I stumble over it, that's why. Uh, but I want to go on a hypothetical journey with you this morning. You know, it is, it is Labor Day weekend, a time of travel and 
vacation time, so we're going to take our own little uh, vacation time <laughs> with me this morning. And I, I get the opportunity to speak in a lot of your guys' lives, and I love it. Um, it's, it's a blessing. I, there's times that I forget that this is my job, that it's not that I just get to hang out with you guys all the time. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that I want you to hypothetically think through what it would look like for me to come to you, look you dead in the eyes, and, and say your name. So, you know, say Amanda, you know, say Sean, and say Val, not Valerie, or say Valerie, and say, listen, I believe that God is calling you to Timbuktu. I believe it, and I think that you need to consider it. Okay, so this is what I want you to do. What would you do next? Probably laugh at me, but after you left our conversation, what would you do? And so I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to share what would you do next. After getting that call, after getting that conversation, what would you do next? I, did, I was kind of listening in. Some of you guys were like, first I'd have to Google where that is. Uh, <laughs> I heard somebody say, like, I just got to get my shots and I'm ready to go. Um, but, but for a lot of us, we would go through some pretty serious thought and discovery, if you will. Uh, if you told me that I needed to move to Timbuktu, I would start to reflect on how convicting my sermons have been recently um, and, and notice that maybe it's coming from a different place, but maybe you would talk with a coach or a mentor or you'd talk like some married couples. You turned to your wife and you said, well, I'd ask you first. Uh, you know, uh, maybe that's where you would find yourself. Maybe you would talk to a best friend or a grandparent, but, but that... That question, it really reveals something about ourselves. It reveals where we get our wisdom, <laughs> um, where we actually turn to make huge life decisions. And so this morning I have a very simple goal, and that is I'm going to ask you to consider the source, uh, to consider the source of your wisdom, to consider where and how you are approaching this thing we call life. Because when we ask ourselves, okay, what if somebody told me I needed to move to Timbuktu, we're faced with the fact that we have some places where we find wisdom that are good and also that aren't so good. Uh, and finding wisdom is as old as time itself. At the beginning of all creation, uh, when Adam and Eve are in the garden and the serpent says, you can eat fruit off of that tree I want you to catch what happens. It says, God said you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And the serpent said, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. 
She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and then gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Listen, the first way that Satan tempts humanity is through wisdom. It's through this lie that God's wisdom is just not good enough. And before we fault Eve and Adam for doing that, how often do we think maybe God's wisdom's just not going to cut it in this situation? How often do we say, uh, I just don't know if that really applies to my life. I don't know if that wisdom is really for me. And I'd say that it pays to consider the source. I, was, I heard a story about two guys the other day who got into a car accident. And the first guy gets out, and he is like a nervous wreck. All right? Like, he gets out, he's freaking out, he's starting to tear up, but he's a dude, so he's like trying to push it down. And he's like freaking out, panicking, pacing, trying to figure out what's going to happen. The second guy gets out, and he's like, chill. He's like, oh, that's okay. It's no big deal, buddy. It's fine. And he says, how are you not freaking out? How are you not freaking out at a time like this? And the guy says, it'll all be okay. He's like, our insurance is going to go up, not to mention all the damage to my car. And the second man takes out a flask out of his shirt pocket and says, here, have some of this whiskey. It'll take the edge off. And the guy takes some, and he takes a drink, and he hands it back. He says, you should have some too. And, and the second guy says, oh, no, I think I'll wait until after the cops get here. <laughs> right? Like, it pays to consider the source, right? It pays to consider the source. And before you count yourself as wise, it pays to at least consider where you're getting that wisdom, where you're basing your decisions off of. And before you decide that you have the right path, before you decide this is how you're going to lead your life and your family and your relationships and your finances, Maybe we should ask, where did I get a basis for that? Um, Proverbs 1, we read this scripture last week, and I want to refresh us again. It says, their purpose, meaning the Proverbs purpose, is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple and knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser, and let those with understanding receive guidance. And we learn a very simple truth in this first chunk of Scripture, and that is the Proverbs are wisdom from God for everyone. They're wisdom from God for everyone. They are pieces of wisdom for the simple and the, like, really intellectual. For the young and for the old, for newbies and for veterans, you know, there's instruction for all of us here. And so if this is a place where we can find a source of wisdom, we probably should ask ourselves, well, what is wisdom? And so I went to the likely place of the dictionary, and I read it. It says, wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, and the soundness of action or decision with regard to that experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And so for our purposes, I want to condense that down into one definition, and that is wisdom is the ability to perceive truth and act accordingly. 
Wisdom is the ability to perceive truth and act accordingly. Now let's break that down. Wisdom is the ability to perceive truth. Um, I don't know if this is just me, <laughs> but sometimes God's truth seems a little different than mine, <laughs> right? Uh, it's at those moments when I ask, you want me to do what now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and you, you said I have to love who exactly? <laughs> um, and God's truth is very different than mine, and I would say that this comes down to some pretty simple logic. So I'd say that in life, we have uh, games that we play, all right, games, and rules that we abide by. So uh, some games. Let's think of some games together. Uh, what are some games we play? Tic-tac-toe. <laughs> Tic-tac-toe. Uh, what? Monopoly. Monopoly. We play Monopoly. Um, what about... Gosh, did I spell that? Football. That's a good one. Football. We play football. Um, my family, we love and are, like, notorious for playing Uno. And I... That... Uno breaks up families. I'm just warning you. Uh, Uno? Uh, what about uh, bowling? Do you guys like bowling? Yeah, we do bowling. Uh, let me try to think. Is there any others? What did you say? Boggle. I don't even know how to play that. I was shaking the letters. I'm going to put golf down. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. So we got games. And then, you know, we have rules to those games, ob obviously. Or else they, oh, man. When I talk and spell Monopoly, okay, uh, I get in trouble. Uh, so bowling and golf. Okay. So. Just humor me here, okay? When I, <laughs> when I play Monopoly, what rules am I going to want to use? Don't cheat. Oh. I thought this was easy. Okay, let, Monopoly, I'm going to play by Monopoly rules. There it is. Somebody said it. We're good. Okay, when I play football, I'm going to play by football rules. When I do Uno, I'm going to play by, you know... Everybody for themselves. When I do, when I play bowling, is that, that's not how you say that. When I bowl, I play by bowling rules. When I golf, I play by golfing rules. Gosh, I, sports. Okay, now, now you may not do this. I'm, I'm kind of slow sometimes, so I, I, I sometimes could do this. But wouldn't it be frustrating if you set out to play, uh, let's just say, golf to, like, with the rules of bowling? That's going to be funny uh, when, you, when you golf a perfect 300, you know, and you're excited, you're going to look pretty weird, okay? Um, if I played Uno by football rules, things are going to get mighty weird mighty quickly. You know, we're going to have a huddle beforehand, and suddenly somebody's uh, tackling grandma over the table, okay? Uh, but this wouldn't make sense because there are games and there are rules that match those games. Fair enough? Now, I would say that in life, we also have this same situation. We have what I'd say my life and my rules. 
<laughs> you guys know where I'm going. Uh, we have God's life, God's life, and you guessed it, God's rules. Now, what we do with this is really up to us. And there are actually a couple different options that we could have. We could choose that I'm going to have my life with God's rules. My life, God's rules. Now, what this looks like to you, um, does anybody have a birthday that is dangerously close to Christmas? Yeah. Okay, you get it. My niece Lola, her birthday is December 17th. And mercy, she always gets one-upped by Jesus' birthday. Um, and it's hilarious. But, but my life and God's rules kind of looks like when you receive a birthday present in Christmas paper. Okay? Like, at the core of what it is, it's a birthday present for Lola, and we all know it. But it looks like Christmas. And we can decide that we're going to have my life, but with God's rules. And this, honestly, like when this shakes out, when God's rules contradict my life, guess whose rules I'm actually following? My rules. <laughs> All right, so option number two. Option number two is going to be uh, my, my life, my rules. This one's very popular in our culture right now. My life, my rules. I'm living my best life is something that I hear all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, my life, my rules. And I am going to, I mean, I don't really care about God because this is right for me. And at least, I'll give it to you, you have a match, okay? <laughs> my life, my rules. And when we decide to do this, uh, this is what we in the pastoral business call job security, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Uh, because it gets to a place where my life and my rules, they don't work. And if you're living in a place where it's my life and it's my rules, I simply would ask, how is that going for you? Because uh, eventually we have removed the source of all wisdom, and I'm sometimes real dumb. I do some dumb things sometimes. And my, my life and my rules, they, they don't always work out. And so we can choose that. The third option is God's life. I'm choosing, I'm going to, this is going to bother me. Um, God's life and my rules. This is what happens when we decide that we're Christian, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things my way, Okay. Um, this is what we call not being a Christian, but being religious. <laughs> I, I, I want to put on Facebook that I love Jesus because it makes me feel good, and it makes me look good, but at the end of the day, I'm going to live to my rules, and I'm going to live the way that I want to live. And eventually, I mean, you can fake it for a really long time, but we're all going to figure it out that, that you don't have a relationship you have a status. The fourth option is, I know, hang on, God's life, God's rules. And this is when you have decided that I am going to follow Christ, I want to look more like him, and so I want my life to reflect it. So whatever he says that I need to do, man, I'm just going to do it because I trust him with the rules and the parameters and the decisions of my life. Now, I kind of lied to you. There's not 
only four options because there's actually an outlier here um, that, that we can follow, and that is others' rules. Uh, this is when we get to a place, whether it's my life or God's life, where we want to do whatever it will take to make other people happy. Where we want to actually live a life so that other people see us in a really good way. Have you ever been there before? Uh, Proverbs talks about this. Proverbs 29, verse 25, it says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. I love how the message version puts it. It says, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. Have you ever gotten to a place where you care so much about what somebody or some people think of you that it disables you? And you're not able to live out the way that God created you to be. There's actually a beautiful picture of this in Daniel chapter 3. If you want to turn there with me, um, this is a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and to set up this story is that they are three holy guys that are living under the rule of a very evil king. And anybody know the name? 500 Bible points? Nebuchadnezzar. And he is evil, and he sets up a golden statue, and his one rule is that everybody needs to bow down to that statue. And if you don't bow down to that statue, I have a huge human-sized furnace to throw you into. Pretty scary, right? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they have a decision to make. They can either trust their own wisdom, which would probably say, you know, I'll, I'll bow down to save my life, but in my heart of hearts, I'm standing up, you know? I'll save myself. Or they can follow God's wisdom, and let's see what happens. In Daniel 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And I love that. Because it's like he's totally being stubborn and rude to him. It's your majesty. <laughs> okay. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. And they decide they're not going to bow down. They say, no, I know how it looks. I know you have the big furnace. I've seen it. It looks terrifying. But our God can save us from that, even if he doesn't. I'm not going to bow down to this statue. And you can imagine how happy that made Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> he was livid. He, he was upset because he thought, I need to make a statement out of these three rebels. And I need to tie them up and throw them into that dang furnace. And so that's what he does. He ties them up, and he tosses them in, and look what happens in verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers, the officials, the governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Now, we're in Colorado. I do one fire pit. I smell like smoke for months. You know, they're in a fiery furnace. They come out, and they don't even smell like they've even seen fire in their life. And in a moment when Nebuchadnezzar was trying to get recognition and to put himself and his idols in a place of worship, God says, "Mm mm-mm. And he flips it on his head. And you have to ask yourself, what would have happened if they had bowed down? Where would the story be if they had bowed down? Yeah, it would have been not very historical, not very inspiring. It would have been relying on their own wisdom. And it forces me to ask this question, where do you bow down where God's wisdom is asking you to stand? Where do you bow down where God's wisdom is asking you to stand? I'd say wisdom is the ability to perceive truth and the courage to act on it. God's wisdom will always challenge earthly comfort. It will always challenge earthly comfort. Uh, you, do you think Shadrach is thinking, man, that furnace is going to be comfy. <laughs> man, I saw a love seat thrown in there the other day. I'll just sit on it. You know, <laughs> that, that's not happening. No, God's wisdom will always challenge earthly comfort. Uh, Trusting God with things and trusting his wisdom is going to challenge your earthly comfort. Trusting God with relationships, man, that's going to challenge your earthly comfort. You'll think things like, but what if they don't like me? And God says, yeah, what if they don't? (laughs) You know, trusting God uh, with raising your kids. Trusting God that he is going to show them his love through you, that's risky business. And that requires a lot of me. And trusting God, it will, it will challenge your earthly comfort. Uh, trusting, following God's calling, leaving your job, your comfort, your current status, it is always risky business. And it will always challenge your earthly comfort. But if we aren't careful, comfort will become the statue we bow down to. Comfort will be the golden statue that we will bow down and say, whatever you say, I'll do. Comfort can actually become how we say, I make my rules, and I am comfortable in that. Let me tell you what, though. Jesus, the Lord, did not provide a miracle because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose comfort. They chose God's supernatural wisdom that said, he can, he can save me. 
He can save all of us, and even if he doesn't, <laughs> even if he doesn't, I'm still not bowing down to you. Where do you bow down where God has called you to stand up? I love this verse in James. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of all good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. Where does your wisdom come from? Because I want wisdom like that to guide my life. When I hit a big decision, I want wisdom that is peace and gentle and willing to yield to others, that is merciful, that has my best interests in mind. But you will never get there unless you say, my life is God's and I follow his rules. And so we say, where do we get our, our wisdom from? And that's the beauty of today's message. Uh, wisdom is freely available. Wisdom is just, turns out God's just given this stuff away, <laughs> okay? Um, wisdom is available to any of us. Uh, wisdom comes from having the Holy Spirit dwell within you. Uh, that still small voice that talks to you every single day. Wisdom comes from reading this book. Did you know we hand these out for free here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you want one? You take one. Like, we're just giving it away. Wisdom is freely available. The, the question is, are we freely available to wisdom? Do we find ourselves, do we put our posture, ourselves in a posture of prayer and of finding God's truth in order to make decisions? Because every single time that you face, gosh, anything, you have a decision to make. Am I going to follow God's rules Am I going to follow God's truth? Or am I going to tell him to stuff it and follow my own? I love this, this in Proverbs. Uh, Solomon personifies wisdom, meaning he gives it personal attributes. And he personifies wisdom as a woman, <clears throat> uh, which is either, neither here nor there. But he personifies wisdom as a woman who is screaming to the world on a street corner. And very important to know, when Solomon wrote this, women had no social standing. Nobody would look to them for wisdom. And he personifies wisdom as this forgotten person that stands on the street corner shouting while the world just walks away. Listen to this. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out at the entrance of the city gates. She speaks, how long, oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to, uh, to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refuse to listen. I've stretched out my hand, and no one is heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof. Wisdom is calling out on the street corner, saying, I promise you, 
his way is better. I know it's risky. I know it's uncomfortable. But he calls to you. She calls to you. And I think one of the points of this scripture is to say that stupidity a lot of times is self-inflicted. God's wisdom is, at, is literally at your fingertips. You have the ability to pray, to get on your knees before God, to ask him what he wants you to do in this situation, and to hear his voice, and to feel his power reside in your bones. Will you be freely available to wisdom? So I want to ask you this question to end today. What rule book are you following? Are you bowing down to the idol of comfort and immediate satisfaction? Or are you, have you decided that whatever God says, I'm going to do it. And wherever he calls me to go, I'm going to go there. Because in that, that there, there is freedom and there is victory. So, so would you pray with me this morning? And I, I just want to invite you to take a posture of prayer. If this, if this has struck you in a specific place, if you want to come up to the altar to be prayed over, if you want to go to the back and write it on the chalkboard, if you want to bow where you're, you're sitting here in this spot, whatever that looks like to you, I just ask that you would take that posture right now. Lord Jesus, our lives, we know how to keep them running. God, we know how to do good enough to keep the wheels and the gears moving in motion. Lord, but we don't want to just be uh, factories that are cold and void. God, we want to be people that are vessels of your Holy Spirit. We want to live lives that are inspiring and empowering and beautiful. We want to tell stories of following you of, of following you into the dark even, of, of faithful decisions made. God, and that requires us to maybe sacrifice some earthly comfort that we really love. Jesus, in your grace, I pray that you would point out to us what that earthly comfort is. God, would we name it in front of you this morning? Lord Jesus, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the blood of the Lamb, through the love of the Father, God, we hand those to you. We hand you the golden statues that we maybe have become too accustomed to bowing down to. And we say, Lord, <laughs> we believe that you can work all things together for good, and even if you don't, we will not bow down. We stand firm in your truth. Jesus, we love you so much. And we commit our lives, we commit our decisions, we commit our futures, we commit our relationships, we commit our jobs, we commit our callings, we commit everything, are, everything we are and everything that we could be to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.